What's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Marin, with the Intuitive Minds podcast. Welcome to another episode. And today's guest, we have actress Sasha Nastasi. How are you, Sasha? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Hanging in there with, during this COVID. How are you handling and everything? I am doing okay. Pretty well. Pretty, Pretty well. well. Pretty well. Uh, how have you, have, you, have you learned anything during this COVID time? Or have you picked up any new hobbies during this COVID time? Or... Mm, I think I have learned that for better or for worse, it would be pretty easy for me to be a reclusive person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think especially in deep, deep quarantine last year, mm -hmm. sort of latter half of 2020, I, I realized I just don't require leaving the house. Yeah. It's good for me. And I'm so mm -hmm. happy to have a little bit of opening up here in the city and, and to be able to go outside and meet the occasional mm -hmm. friend, mm -hmm. but I can definitely become a, become a homebody just reading yeah, and, and yeah. working. So I'm pretty sure wearing a mask too has become a little bit overwhelming as well. Yeah. 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 I, where, where are you? I'm in the DMV area. I'm in Virginia, but I do actually go to New York a lot for photography gigs. So I'm very familiar with New York, very familiar on, on the rules and like wearing the, wearing a mask on the train and wearing a mask uh -huh. on the Uber and then having to go into stores and wearing a mask, even though you don't have to, I'm still kind of cautious because of this Delta variant that's happening. That's another, that's another scary thing. So, but I'm fully vaccinated. So that's, that's the good part. Yes, me so, too. But yeah. definitely, I think, I mean, here in the city, people have stopped wearing masks, not on the subway and stuff so much, but, but in stores. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like the mask mandate is probably going to come back. Mm -hmm. We'll mm -hmm. see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. I feel like, and they said New York is doing like all the federal workers or something like that. All the employees have to wear masks or get tested once a week. I think that was the new rule. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. Good. So, but I mean, for me, it was anybody that's coming into New York. I've always seen like they always wear masks everywhere because they don't know. They don't know the next person has been vaccinated or not. So they yeah. just need to be cautious and everything. But um, now break down who Sasha Nastasi is and where you were born and growing up and everything. Okay, sure. Um, I was born in New York City, where I still live mm -hmm. on the Upper West Side. But when I was 20 months, we moved to London. And it was supposed to be two years. It turned into 10. Hmm. So I grew up, my childhood was all in London until I was, yeah, like 11 and a half and we moved back nice. and I'm only 18. So I suppose at this point I've lived, it's, it's approaching equality, but I've lived more in London <laughs> than I've yeah. lived in New York or, or anywhere else. And there's no difference between London and New York. There's only a little bit of difference, but the mentality is kind of the same, the fast pace and everything. Cause I go to London a lot because I have family over there as well. Oh yeah, cool. So I'm very familiar. Yeah, my I have a family that stays in the Richmond area. Okay. In that area. So like I'm there maybe once a year, but then during this COVID thing, it's kind of just stopped. But I'm there every single year. So I'm very aware of the underground and all of that yeah. jazz. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. So it's it's I'm from Albania originally. That's oh, where I'm cool. about. Yeah, I was born cool. there. I've been here for about 21 years in America. Wow. wow. Yeah, but I'm 32. So it's like I've kind of, I'm more Americanized than European, you know? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So, yeah. But um, now, insp- inspiration wise, whether it's music or movies, who inspired you growing up? Because you obviously are in the entertainment business. So I'm pretty sure a lot of inspiration came along the way as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, my first ever memory, my first memory is of what is of watching Alice in Wonderland. Mm. And I feel like that I still love Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. I know in, in London at the VNA, they currently have a, a curious and curious or exhibition. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that influenced me a lot, mm-hmm. that sort of outlandish world of storytelling mm-hmm. uh, is still is still sort of what excites me. But I grew up reading the the series of unfortunate events books. So mm-hmm. Lemony Snicket, another very distinct, dark, weird yeah. sort of tone of things. Mm-hmm. Obviously was into Harry Potter. I have an older brother. He's seven years older. And he was an absolute, I guess they were sort of coming out as he was, as he was growing up. So he was an absolute wait all night at the bookstore on release date. Oh, wow. Uh, kind of Harry Potter fan. So I definitely mm-hmm. inherited that a bit from him. Mm-hmm. So and you, then, yeah, ahead. sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your story. Well, I was just going to say other, I suppose, early influences. Um, I watched, I feel, I feel like it was uh, a religious experience. I watched it so much. <laughs> these two shows with my dad, Leave It to Beaver and The Wonder Years. So very old school. Yeah. Yeah. Very old school. Wow. Especially like you, you like living in London and like being appealed to like the American cinema as well. So that that's another thing. And you seem to be very. So did you ever watch like Beetlejuice at all? Because it seems like that's your type of like vibe. Like, I don't know if you've seen the movie Beetlejuice or like I Tim. I have. You're totally right. I mm-hmm. love Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. I a big fan of Beetlejuice and mm-hmm. big fan of. Well, actually. I watched when I was young only the credit sequence to Corpse Bride and I had nightmares for two years. I had, it was like totally dominated my brain space the way mm-hmm. that those images mm-hmm. were, you know, the, the, the drawing of it mm-hmm. was terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. But now I love Tim Burton and I revel mm-hmm. in that and I love Corpse Bride. So it's it's come full circle. Yeah, once you said like Alice in Wonderland and that Corkel was like Tim Burton. That's what popped in my head. I was like Tim Burton's got to be one of her top five. And I'm pretty sure you you said you had like all these nightmares for two years. Do you, do do you remember certain nightmares and you're like you know what I'm gonna apply this to my character in this moment? Do you find yourself doing that at moments moments of times or? That's an interesting question. I. Okay, well, I don't remember a lot of my childhood nightmares. Yeah. Aside from that, I, rem- I remember them being very, very, I suppose, supernatural. Mm-hmm. Like there were always strange beasts and yeah. ghosts and stuff chasing me. You know, it was mm-hmm. never a man or a woman or a person. It always sort of dealt with the, <laughs> with yeah, the supernatural. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now I'm really into writing down my dreams. And I have realized that I've always lucid dreamed for pretty much as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I have early memories of lucid dreams. And so I'm I'm into the whole, uh, I don't know how to bring on a lucid dream, but I'm into trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I definitely find the more I write down my dreams, the more I remember them. Mm-hmm. Do, so. do you eventually 
because you said you write down your dreams. Do you eventually feel like maybe you can turn these into books at some day and like publish them? Or these are just for your personal, personal? (laughs) It's funny. I think it's just for me. There's a sort of catharsis in writing it down right after it happened. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, even though sometimes my dreams are lucid and I'm aware that it's a dream, other times they feel so real. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I live an entirely other life in my dreams and it feels like a very private thing. Mm-hmm. But I will say it's really funny. I was telling a friend who was recommending a movie to me and I said, oh, I've been thinking so much about this movie. I actually had a dream that I was watching it. And because I haven't seen it, I made up the plot in my dream and I told oh. her the plot that I made up. And she was like, oh, that's really good. You should write it down. Oh, wow. I don't know how good it was, but it was funny that I, I invented a plot for this movie. Yeah. And then I watched it. And obviously my plot was not the plot. <laughs> it's like a quirky deja vu almost. Yeah. Very... I actually have a theory about that. Really? What's your theory on it? Okay. My theory is that, you know, when we, have, when we get deja vu, mm-hmm. It's not because you've actually experienced the thing before. You just feel as though you've experienced the thing Mm -hmm, before. mm -hmm. And then other part of it is that a lot of people don't remember their dreams consciously. They forget them, even though we are told that we dream pretty much every night. We just don't remember them. Mm -hmm. But I hypothesize that we have to store those dreams that we don't consciously Mm -hmm. remember Mm -hmm. somewhere. So my thought is that when you have deja vu, it's because you experienced that thing or a similar thing or a similar emotion in a dream that you don't remember. That's an interesting way of putting it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a very interesting way of putting it. Because I remember I also had a friend of mine who actually saw his wife before he even met her on a dream. No. Yeah, he was like, dude, like, like he came in the car and he was like, dude, something weird just fucking happened. I was like, what happened? He was like, I saw this girl in my dreams. No. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. You must be out of your <laughs> You must be out of your mind. You must be smoking something. He's like, no, dude. Like I actually envisioned it having dinner with her and her and my friend together. And now they're still married. And it's like, that holy. is insane. Yeah, She's so- literally the girl of his dreams. Letter, yeah, that's right. It's probably your girl. Yeah, it's probably the girl of your dreams. He's like, it's weird, right? I was like, wow, that's got to be. It's a scary thought because even like last night, for example, or like two nights ago, I had a dream that I was in an event, but it was a a major event, and it was like, but I was seeing these faces that I've never seen before. So for two days straight, I've been thinking, I'm like, when am I gonna meet these faces? Like, is that like a major major event? And I was like, when am I gonna meet these faces? And then all of a sudden, I ended up in the backyard playing football with my backpack on and it's like look I can still run with my backpack on and still throw the football and it was just like it's just very very weird I was like maybe it's because I stopped smoking weed or what it is I don't know what it was but but it was just very very weird because you know when you stop smoking weed you kind of have these vivid dreams and you're not supposed to have and it's it's I don't know it's just this is normal for people I don't know oh I've never heard that when you stop smoking weed after smoking it for like a long time or something yeah I was smoking weed for about 17 years so I started at 15 16 and I stopped like um, a month and a half ago and then I've been having these weird dreams random people and it's like wow yeah yeah it's like where the hell did why did why did you stop just because just because I I just wanted to take a break from it I wanted to Uh just, just like 
just let me, I was like, let me try to be sober for like, you know, not just yeah. enjoying every day. Let me just try to be sober because I've experienced all types of, all types of weed, you know, having lived in California, having lived <laughs> in New York, having lived in Virginia. It's like, it was the same thing for me. I was like getting high. It was the same high, having to smoke more, even taking mm. a break for like two, three days, going back to it. I was like, okay, I'm intensely high right now. But then it was like, okay, back to normal because your, um, what do you call it? Your, um, oh my God, what, it starts with a T. Your, um, oh, tolerance. 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 There you go. Tolerance. Your tolerance just keeps going higher and higher and higher. So I was like, let me just stop smoking overall. And then I did that and I came back home and I smoked again, but I had a major fucking headache. That's when I was like, fuck no, I'm done. So then, and it's just like, now it's more of a sense of like, I'm afraid to go back to it. Yeah, I'm afraid it's like cigarettes, you know, when you stop when you stop smoking cigarettes, you, you start off two weeks later, same thing, headaches. And I haven't smoked mm. cigarettes in about 10 years. Mm. So it's like so overall now it's like my body feels cleaner. I feel more awake. Like I'm up at five in the morning nowadays. Oh, like, awesome. Instead of like seven, you know, but yeah, it's it's one of those. But uh, moving on now, you you were a dancer at some point and then you transitioned to stage acting. Why the transition? What made you do that? Well, I was a dancer pretty young. I mean, I guess I'm still quite young, mm -hmm. but I started to dance. I don't know, like most little or a lot of little girls, three or four years old. Mm -hmm. And I got pretty serious about it. I really loved it. I mean, it was the entirety of my life. I mm -hmm. <laughs> had bobby pins everywhere all the time. I was constantly practicing when I wasn't in class. Mm -hmm. So I would say it got to a point where I, I was doing like, 10, 12 hours a week, up to 16 hours a week. Mm. And I was doing it at Royal Ballet School in, in England, in London, mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. a, a prestigious ballet yep. school. Yep. And I really loved it. But I got a cyst on my knee, mm. which developed very randomly. I often say it was an injury because it's just easier to say, <laughs> but it was not caused by any sort of physical activity. It's just right. a random cyst. And it took me out for about a year, which when you're nine, 10, and you're on a pre-professional sort of track is actually a, a very long time, mm -hmm. especially because that's a pivotal, a pivotal point mm -hmm. in, in someone's quote unquote ballet, pre-professional mm -hmm. ballet career. So I, I kept dancing after that for a few years. I think I stopped. I, I didn't stop all at once because I loved it so much. And it was such a big part of my life. I kept dancing, but I wasn't at the level I was pre-injury because I had lost a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And I, I eventually, I would say around 12 or 13, fully, fully stopped after, after taking less classes and fewer classes and fewer classes. Yeah, it can be draining. It can yeah, be yeah. It can be very draining. Yeah, yeah, but continue. But I think, I mean, I think early on, performing was always my favorite part of of dancing i was obsessed with getting to play characters of being in the nutcracker mm -hmm. and the costumes the sort of uh ritualistic putting on my costume getting mm -hmm. ready getting in this other uh mindset taking on behavior as a part mm -hmm. of the dance and the mm -hmm. character and it just being on stage absolutely fascinated me um it sounds you know cliche oh i love it stage but it's very true mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I think it felt natural I mean it wasn't as if I was like immediately went into acting professionally I just started 
doing school plays and stuff. But I feel like I always sort of knew in the back of my head, the stage is where I want to be performing Mm -hmm. is where I want to be being someone else's is what I want to be doing Mm -hmm. uh, to the best of my abilities. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I mean, transitioning to stage acting was just me being in my school plays <laughs> yeah 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 and and really loving it and mm-hmm. figuring out oh yeah this is this, this makes is sense this, this is clicks it. yeah this is it now i noticed you don't have a, a british accent as well like did you because you, you said you were in in london for a while and but you don't have a british accent did you have to like learn to do the american accent or were you just like that the whole your all your life so i i always it's always funny getting this question i my family retained mm-hmm. their American accents because they were older than me. Right. And my brother, because he was seven years older, he kept his American accent. Mm-hmm. I am very accent contagious as a person. Uh, so I feel okay. like I talk, I, t- I sort of talk like who I'm around, even in terms of rhythms of speech and word words used. Right. <laughs> I can start yeah, yeah. to talk like friends. Mm-hmm. So at school, I went to an English school. I didn't go to an American school. Mm-hmm, so at mm-hmm. school... I totally talked with an English accent, <laughs> but at home, I was sort of, I was a little more American leaning. Yeah, yeah. And so when we got to the US, I think I just, I just started talking like people in my school, although I sort of wish maybe I should have retained it. I don't know. I will say, I feel like I can do a pretty good mm-hmm. English accent still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so many different different regions and, and variations to it but because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I remember growing up in europe they didn't mm-hmm. if you were going to learn english it wasn't going to be the american english if we're going to mm-hmm. learn the british english because i went to a turkish private school okay and but you had to be a certain grade to learn turkish but english was like that's that's it so when i came to america instead of saying can't i kept saying can't can't yes <laughs> can't I'm like what do you mean you can't do that and they're like no no it's not can't it's can't i'm like that's funny oh, so you so you guys have a slang to, to towards the american accent it's like <laughs> so everything is a slang here everything is like so then that whole like british accent went away and then like that whole i just everything just went away and it just became more american and i don't have an accent at all so people think i was born here and like, yeah like, i wasn't born totally. here I wasn't born here at all, but it's just like when at a certain age, like if you're 10 or nine, your brain is still developing. So it's like, totally, it's learning and it's learning. So, cause I have, I have a brother who kind of has an accent, but not really, but okay. he came in here when he came in here when, like, when he was 15, 16, but he was learning, uh-huh. he was learning British English, but he was learning Turkish at the same time. Yeah. So then, yeah. So his accent is more, more thicker than I am. I don't have an accent at all. Like I can no. tune it in and out like I can you know people say oh you're from New York I'm like I'm not from New York like you gotta relax with that one but it's just that it's just again when you're 10 years old your brain just starts developing in an ESL class the only problem I had was saying can't to can't Mm. can't I can't I can't do this I can't do this like it's can't bro like it's can't like can you learn it it's to irritate the shit out of the teachers but eventually hip-hop came into my life music hip-hop so then i started learning the the ebonics and the the whole lingo and then so everything i do is like ain't now nah, this ain't it no nah, this ain't it no nah, this ain't so ain't became the the it's it didn't it wasn't can't anymore isn't it was mm. it was more of a slang and ebonics way so when i go to new york i completely throw in that that new york accent that what are you doing get the fuck out of here like i throw mm. that in there because as an actor as well 
I know how to do the New York accent. So it's like one of the speeches that I learned was because I went to New York Film Academy and then they were like, mm. what's, your, what's your favorite like accent? I'm like, New York accent. I'm like, they're like, that's a cheat code. I'm like, yeah, you say that because you're a New Yorker. But people here are all foreigners. So they kind of love, they're like, yeah, you can you can pull it off and stuff like that. But then it's just, you got to talk normal when you're in Virginia because it's all corporate areas. So it's like they don't understand all that stuff, which is. Now, do you prefer stage or working in films? Like, you seem like you prefer stage more. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, at this point, I simply have not had that much experience with mm -hmm. either. I've had more experience working I've only worked professionally in film I've mm -hmm. only on the stage I've only done school plays you know mm -hmm. it's not the same as doing off-Broadway or even off off-Broadway or Broadway mm -hmm. or regional theater or anything I've never gotten to do professional theater and now with the pandemic I, I've never even gotten to audition for professional theater mm. but I ache to I would yeah, love to yeah. I love Shakespeare I love, I'm a big fan of Annie Baker, the playwright. I think there are so many exciting up and coming or already arrived playwrights yeah. of the 21st <laughs> century. Mm -hmm. So I would love to do more theater, but I'm also absolutely obsessed with movies and think about them 24 mm seven. -hmm. And that's pretty much all I've known in terms of professional work. Mm -hmm. And that's what I auditioned for. So I can't really say I could choose. I do feel like uh I do feel like they're different mediums obviously mm -hmm. and I would love more theater experience mm -hmm. but I love working on film and and tv too yeah, so. theater is completely different from film obviously because in theater you can't you don't have a camera that can cheat your moves or anything you have to be very open in theater and everything is live cameras can kind of help you cheat in the film you know what I mean like they can help you like it's just you have to be more open. Your body has to be forward. You can't, it's just a lot of more technique. Your vocals have to be high. Sometimes when your vocals are too high, you have to lower yourself. It's a whole different technique than film. For totally. Sure. Totally different. What's your favorite technique? Like, for example, like mine was like Meisner. Mm. Do, what, what, what type of technique do you, like, yeah, Meisner was like, whoa. A lot of intensity, a lot of real emotions because favorite actor is Marlon Brando. So yeah. Marlon Brando and like De Niro, Pacino, those are my, my, my go-to guys. And then as far as directing is Martin Scorsese. But all of these people, even, Bar even uh, Meryl Streep, they learned from Meisner. Every single actor has taken Meisner at some point. What was your favorite technique? Interesting. I've actually never really taken much Meisner. Mm. I have the book, though, and I really want to read it. Yeah, it's... But... I've, I've done repetition exercise and stuff a couple times and mm -hmm. had very emotional experiences doing it. Mm -hmm. So I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. I also, my friend's grandma, I recently talked to her and she, she was a model for a long time and she took classes with, with Meisner. So I thought that was really cool. And I mm -hmm. asked her about it and how she liked it. Mm -hmm. But my favorite technique, I feel like, hmm, I... For a long time, I guess the bulk of my training, one could say, has been a method, method, mm -hmm. method acting, yep. method acting mm -hmm. um, or like modern method modern, of yeah. not necessarily the, oh, you must stay in character for for uh, a week entirety yeah. of the shoot or whatever, yeah, yeah. but more that you're sensorily. I don't know if that's the word, creating things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. using your senses, mm -hmm, really feeling, mm -hmm. really smelling, really. 
but I don't know that I subscribe entirely to one technique. I'm really excited by the, the prospect of taking different classes and sort of creating my own what works for me mm-hmm. technique, a hodgepodge of different different tools learned along the way. Mm-hmm. So I also really like Stella Adler. I feel yes. like using my imagination to, to invest in the circumstances, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. Uh, and, oh, and I take classes. Um, I take committed impulse class nice. with Josh Pice which I love, which is all about getting present, mm-hmm. getting in your body, getting grounded mm-hmm. and, and being open to every impulse and, and to the, the excitement of the, of the present moment mm-hmm. and the, the magic that lies exactly. in that. So I feel like that technique also really resonates with me. So I'm, I'm open. Open. Yeah. What about like, have you tried to like maybe do Slavlovsky at all or? Yeah, I've I've read the Stanislavski books, and I did my first ever real acting class outside of school was at uh, Strasbourg, which mm-hmm. I know is is at least partially derived from derived. from Stanislavski. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have I have done a little bit of that work, but not mm-hmm. definitely not an expert in that mm-hmm. in that realm or any yeah, realm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I do his stuff also does re- resonate with me particular mm-hmm. particularly in keeping your body as as an instrument you know doing the yeah. physical work and the vocal work that i feel often potentially is mm-hmm. is cast to the wayside at least for modern film tv actors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm gonna get really nerdy here because as an mm-hmm. actor myself um how do you break down the script when you like learn to the lines and getting in the character and all of that how do you break it down i hmm i feel like honestly it's different for me for different projects i suppose or different auditions mm-hmm. like sometimes i get something and i feel pretty immediately like i get a strong sense of the character whether it be from the sides or the sides and the script i'm like okay i sort of feel like i know i know how to approach this other times i feel like and and, and in those times it feels more instinctual and it feels like i I do like to create a backstory Mm -hmm. when that feels right. And I do like to, when there are certain things in the scenes or in the sides or in the scripts that, uh, that feel rooted in the past, you know, if someone talks about their relationship, Mm -hmm. very, very basic, very quotidian, but if someone talks about their relationship with their Mm -hmm. mother in a certain way, I want to, I build that out in my imagination and, Mm -hmm. and try to become, get specific with things. But in terms of, yeah, I don't feel like, because sometimes if I read something and as I was saying, if I get the character, it feels very instinctually, instinctual mm-hmm. and I don't want to overthink it too much because sometimes I feel like if I bring in my critical thinking brain too much, I'm just going to overanalyze and I want to just be present to my impulses about this. Mm-hmm. But other times I feel like, oh, maybe I don't know this character. The choices have to be more conscious. Exactly. So I like to play with different vocal choices even if they're subtle or uh, physical choices Mm -hmm. or you know uh if something emotionally connects me to it or if Mm -hmm. i um what are the other things that i potentially play with i also like to learn lines after i've done a little bit of the prep work i like to research everyone involved with the project this is talking more about auditions i guess yeah yeah 
but I don't know. It always feels weird. I know I used to always hate when I would look or not hate, but be sad about the fact that when I looked on the internet, so few actors seemed willing to talk in depth about their technique. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I get it because it sounds a little like self-indulgent or out there or like, (laughs) oh, I do this and I do this. This is how I make the magic happen. That's funny. Um, For the most part, I feel like I'm just trying to try things. I Mm -hmm. like to especially when doing tapes as most auditions are now, I love the freedom to get to think, Oh, you know, how, what if I did it this way? Or how do I, how do I take this as far as, yeah. as far as possible and then try something completely different? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the work that feels potentially exciting or true mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or whatnot comes from just trying things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so, uh, Cause I yeah. remember, I remember during school, one of the teachers was like, "Hey, so you're gonna do Goodwill Hunting? Mm. Goodwill Hunting? That's a pretty fucking sad fucking movie." He's like, "No, no, no, but I want you to do it in a comedic way." Are you fucking shitting me? Like, you want me to do the scene where I'm going to California? That particular scene in a comedic way is like, "Yeah, try it." But that also opens up a lot of other doors because now you can play with, like you said, different vocal cords and different. You know what I mean? So have you ever tried to do the, like, turn a, a, a sad script into, like, let me try this in the comedic way or in another different way? Have you tried to do that at all? Or It's funny. The first thing that comes to mind is that I was helping my friend film a scene for his reel. Mm-hmm. And the scene on paper, I love the scene, but it's very, it presents itself as somewhat sinister, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. That his character seems almost outright evil in the scene Mm -hmm. or it it could be interpreted that way and I said to him you know what if you tried it uh what if you tried thinking about it like this character is not evil he's not malicious he's Mm -hmm. not trying to hurt this other character he just thinks this is this is what must be done Mm -hmm. and he maybe even feels bad about it Mm -hmm. um so that's what comes to mind. I know that's vague in terms yeah, of yeah, no, no, it yeah, potentially yeah. doesn't make sense without there, the, the context. There, of the there's scene. so many different techniques. I mean, outside of school, so there's like so many different techniques in acting. It's like overwhelming. There's so much you can learn from it. It also depends on the baggage you have growing up. You know what I mean? That also is, is a part of a, is a major factor as well. Now, moving on, working with Kate Winslet, as well as one of my favorite actresses, uh, Claire Forlani on Black Beauty. What was that experience like? Well, Kate Winslet did the voice of the horse, so I never got to meet her, but I am a very big fan of hers, Mm -hmm. so it was wild to be a part of a project, albeit a small part, um, that she was also part of. Mm -hmm. And Claire Forlani, I talked to briefly, but didn't have have many scenes with, Mm -hmm. and she struck me as being very elegant and very lovely. And I think she's very funny in the film. Mm-hmm. And we both play kind of uh, snooty characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's fun. That's but it was, I mean, overall, it was a, a fantastic experience. Mm-hmm. I think a movie you would like that she's in is Basquiat. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Basquiat. No, I haven't. It's about the painter in the 80s. Uh, who passed away from heroin. He was homeless, but he was a, an, a he was a great, great painter. Andy Warhol kind of took him under his wing. Like if you've seen that picture of Andy Warhol with the boxing gloves and the guy mm. next to him, that's um, Basquiat. And 
it's played by Jeffrey Wright. That it's he plays he plays it and and Claire Forlani in, is in it and she's totally amazing. But the movie is very, it's very trippy, very 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 trippy. Like there's the the cameras are quirky. It's not by the book. It's definitely not shot by the book. Cameras are moving weirdly and quirky, and it's definitely check it out. She that's probably one of my favorites from 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 her. Oh, awesome! Yeah, definitely, I definitely, I definitely will. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank if you. you look at the paintings as well, you'd be like, "Holy God!" Like this guy was intense because he was homeless, but he was a mm. junkie. He was a drug addict. That's what killed him. It was like his his heroin killed him. So if you look at Jay Z's hair today, that's where he's based it off because that was his favorite uh, person, Basquiat. Like if you look at today's picture of Jay Z, it's 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 like he's emulating Basquiat, which is very interesting to see. Um, now, outside of the entertainment industry, what type of hobbies do you have besides acting and dancing and all of that? Um, I don't really know that I have many hobbies. Mm-hmm. I mostly just <laughs> think about movies and watch movies mm-hmm. and read. I read a lot. Mm-hmm. So what are you reading? What are you reading currently? I just finished a novel called Animal by Lisa Tadeo. Mm-hmm. And it was about... 320 pages and I read it all yesterday. I could not put it down. I found it. It's a very intense book. Mm -hmm. I found it. I don't know if hypnotizing is the word, but Mm -hmm, it definitely mm -hmm. had me under its spell. I didnn't really feel like I could do anything else yesterday. (laughs) Luckily I had a flight, so um, I didn't have to do that much. Mm -hmm. Because all I wanted to do was read this book and finish this book. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the backstory on the book? Because it seems very intense. Um, it's kind of hard to describe, <laughs> especially without any sort of spoilers. But it's about a woman who essentially endures trauma after trauma, and it's about her her way of understanding what happened to her, particularly a very intense event very intense. Intense is such an understatement Mm -hmm. Uh, event that happened to her as a child and how it's, it's impacted her life since. And it's written sort of stream of consciousness style going back and forth. She's a really, really excellent writer. And my mom read it before me and she said that I had to read it. And she said, she described the way that she writes the prose as effortless. Mm -hmm. And I think that's totally true. She has all these really beautiful, resonant insights that just seem to come without effort. You know, nothing is contrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very inspiring to read and, and an absolutely immense emotional load to take on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I just read that and I really liked. Oh, and then I also just read The Haunting of Hill House. I've heard about that book. It's Shirley Jackson. Mm -hmm. I am in a bit of a horror mode for whatever reason. It's my, my horror summer. Mm. So I, I was surprised by how sad I found it to be. The book, I cried at the end. I was, I was expecting it to be very scared and I was scared a little bit at points, but moreover, I was sad. Yeah. (laughs) So do you, do you prefer to read at night or during the day or whatever comes, whatever is the vibe? Okay, so I, at night, I can't read anything at all disturbing or upsetting. Mm -hmm. 
So sometimes I have two books that I'm reading at once, a daytime book, which can be as dark as possible. Mm -hmm. And then a nighttime book, which needs to be not necessarily light, but just not like campy horror, can't be anything particularly death centric. Mm -hmm. It can be sad perhaps, but I don't want it to disturb me. I feel like a book that I read a lot, sometimes I'll reread stuff before I go to bed. So Conversations with Friends, for example, Mm -hmm. by Sally Rooney is a wonderful book to read excerpts of before bed, not only because I love it and I love the writing, but also it's it's not it's light fun. by any means, yeah. but it's not going to give me nightmares. Mm-hmm. It's funny you said because I have a friend of mine who um, who he stopped watching horror movies at night and he stopped eating at night because he would sleepwalk. Oh, wow. He found and he lived in a studio apartment. I stayed with him a couple of times mm. and I would sleep on the couch and he would just come on the couch and he'd just like hover over me. It's like, like touch me. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, stop touching me. He's like, oh, oh, is that you? Is that you? I'm like, and he would go back to bed and he'd start talking to himself in his dream. And it's like, that's creepy. Fucking is he saying? Like, especially in the studio apartment, like your bed is right over there, bro. And yeah. the couch is right here. And you're hovering over me trying to, and I was like, bro. Get, and so I would just stand still because you can't touch somebody that's sleepwalking because they'll, they'll, they'll get, they'll get in shock and they'll start hitting you. So I just stayed, stayed there like a mummy, like scared shitless, but it's like, let me just let me just wait it out. Let me just wait it out. And then he figured it out that he can't he can't eat heavy foods and he can't watch uh, horror movies at night. It's really it's interesting that he figured that out. Yeah, he he went through like therapy and all of that because wow. he, lived, he lived in Ohio. He's uh-huh. from Ohio. He lived in he lived in a big ranch. So in the middle of the night, he said that I would run in the middle. I would run around in the middle of the ranch. And it's, I was like, that's fucking intense, bro. He was like, yeah, bro. And then, but you, you don't do that in the, in the studio apartment. Like you're going to scare somebody. And it was, mm-hmm. but he figured it out. And I, he's like, I do. And I, and I went there last week to like stay with him and I didn't hear a peep from him. And I was like, yeah, you don't sleepwalk anymore. And he told me this whole thing. He's like, yeah, just stop watching this. So he'll start watching like a Disney movie. He's big on Disney. So he'll start watching a Disney movie for going to bed now and stuff yeah. like horror movies. Yeah. He's big into Disney. Like hmm. he'll talk about Disney all day long. I'm pretty sure he's seen your movie as well. I'm pretty sure he has because he's oh, on he's it. A Disney on fan. It. He's a big Disney fan. Like anything Disney, he's on it. That's and, cool. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Now, next question is: If your life had a soundtrack, which three tracks would you pick? Mm, that's so hard because I'm constantly. I am a very obsessive person overall, but mm-hmm. I obsess with music, so. I will have phases with songs. I know a a good amount of people who are like this, but I'll just listen to the same three songs over and over and over for like a month. Mm -hmm. And then I'll sort of move on. So I don't feel like I have overarching songs that could be the soundtrack. It's so Uh, hard, but let me try to think. I'll come up with some, even if I'll regret them later. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I love St. Vincent. I think she's amazing. And I love her music. Mm-hmm. it's very hard for me to pick one of her songs right, because yeah. I have been obsessed with almost all of them at different mm-hmm. points in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But I would say Human Racing by St. Vincent is the one that comes to my mind right now. Mm-hmm. It has sort of a fairy tale, dark fairy tale energy mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. it. So that's one that I would pick. And then 
I, like everyone else at the current moment, love Phoebe Bridgers. Nice. And I, last summer, I, uh, in another obsessive phase, I listened almost exclusively to Graceland 2, her song Graceland 2. So Mm. that's going to be on there too. And then a third, what's coming to my mind is um, Leonard Cohen, Mm -hmm. Suzanne, or Everybody Knows. Everybody Knows is a little ominous. (laughs) So maybe you want to go with Suzanne. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So very, you're the first person that's answered those very quickly. Everybody Mm. was like, can we come back to that? I'm like, and we never come back to that because the conversation Mm -hmm. just keeps going and going. And then yesterday, somebody threw it back at me. It's like, well, let me throw it right back at you. Which three tracks would you pick? And I was like, I was like, no wonder these fuckers get all. Because I couldn't think of any. I was like, fuck, that is a hard question when they throw it's it so right hard. back at Yeah, when they throw it right back. I, it used to be five tracks, but I dropped it down to three. Because I don't want people to think five tracks in this. So it's, it's a very hard question. But it keeps the conversation going, which is pretty interesting. Um, now, out of all the characters that you have played, what is something that you have learned from playing each one? Hmm. Okay, I'm going to try to, since I'm young and at the beginning of all this, mm-hmm. I'm going to think about the characters that I've played, even in the school play. I'm mm-hmm. including them all. Yeah, yeah. Back to back, tough questions. Yeah. Very tough. Mm hmm. We can move on if you want, so you don't have to like really think too much on it. Okay, wait. I think I have a some semblance of an answer. Mm-hmm. I played a character in a short film almost two summers ago, mm-hmm. and I remember before I auditioned, I got the script and the sides, and I remember thinking, "I need to play this character." Like I felt very compelled mm-hmm. by the character and by the project and it turned out to be I mean, it was an amazing experience for me but I think the, the character was going through chronic pain mm-hmm. and she had she's moving away to go to college for after being homeschooled and having a very intense potentially codependent relationship with her mom mm-hmm. and it's about the days of her her and her mom moving her into college while she's while also trying to figure out her her chronic pain, follow a lead on that mm-hmm. in in Montana where they are for her college, right before dropping her off. Mm-hmm. And I think from that, I or from her, the character, I learned like <laughs> I suppose the importance of of trusting trusting something a decision you know you need to make even when it isn't the easiest Mm -hmm. or when you've never made a decision like that before you know if you know you need to do something if you know you need to break away from someone or something that's that's toxic or even just something that you've outgrown like you sort of got to do it Mm-hmm. Even if you're making a leap into the mm-hmm. into the unknown, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I would say I, I learned that from mm-hmm. my character Mallory. Mm-hmm. What, what kind of what what type of actresses or actresses would you like to work with that you haven't worked with yet? 
Oh, um, so many. That's a really hard question. So many. I am obsessed with actors and actresses. Mm -hmm. I love so many. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Um, the wrong question. Okay, I mean, I could literally say anyone and everyone, but I will say who comes to my mind. Mm -hmm. I recently watched Zola. Nice. And. I really loved Riley Q. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name right, but I think she's awesome. Olivia Coleman is my ultimate idol icon. Mm-hmm. I think she's one of the greatest actresses. I really like Adele Haenel, who is in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, and uh, this movie Water Lilies. I really like, I'm looking, I have a wall of movie posters. I, I love Sissy Spacek. Three Women is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I love Susan Sarandon. I love Daniel Kaluuya. I think he's incredible. Mm-hmm. I love Winona Ryder, Back to Beetlejuice. Yep. <laughs> um, I love Patricia Arquette. Nice, yes. Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um trying to think who else and then, and then director wise it's probably tim burton <laughs> i do love tim burton oh i love helena bottom carter oh my gosh yeah, yeah, she's great i love her style i love her way of relating and speaking i think she's so smart i think she's an amazing actress mm-hmm. um and then my favorite oh my god my favorite director i mean i it's like almost hard for me to talk about. I love him so much. I love Yorkus Lanthimos. Nice. Okay. He's my favorite director. Okay. I love Celine Shiama. Mm-hmm. Again, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yep. I love Mia Hansen Love, who's also, oh, I'm using the word I love so much. <laughs> yeah. And then her last name has Love, who's also a French director. Yep. I think Xavier Xavier Dolan, who's young director, I think he's really cool. Jordan Peele is amazing, and he's an Upper West Sider like me. Um, <laughs> oh my God, so many! So you enjoyed so Get Out? You enjoyed Get Out? Uh, I think Get Out is one of the most funniest, scariest, most yeah, well-crafted yeah. movies I've ever seen. He didn't really get much of a credit on the new ones he made, the Us, and they said that it wasn't up to par. I mean, I haven't seen that movie, but they said that it wasn't like Get Out. It was like he completely went off the rails on the other ones. So I'm not. Oh, just, really? I yeah. didn't. It's funny. Us got good critical reception. I thought. I think it did. Really? Because I from from the people that I know, they're like, oh, that movie was had. Yeah. It wasn't oh, movie. some people, maybe some people didn't like it, but I think it did do well critically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It also depends on the type of style that you like. As, yeah, as, it was it was different from Get mm-hmm. Out. It was more horror than psychological thriller, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah But yeah. I I mean, I think he's amazing. I think he's very talented. He's very like talented. Yep, yep. I hear that siren. That's New York right there. Yeah, New York, New York. <laughs> but uh, moving on, what type of roles would you like to tackle as you get older and stuff like that? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know any and all interesting, well-written mm-hmm. roles, but I, again, I'm in my horror, horror, the horror phase. Horror yeah. phase. Yeah. I feel like I could be the demon or the creature in the horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to be a ghost. 
I think I would be a great ghost or maybe I don't know if that's I don't know if I would be a great ghost but I think I could hopefully be a good ghost Mm -hmm. um or like a some sort of spirit I think that would be really fun there's this ballet um this ballet Giselle that Mm -hmm. uh a movie equivalent of one of the sort of fairy spirit creatures and Giselle mm-hmm. would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But I love theater wise. I do very much dream of playing Lady Macbeth or Macbeth. I loved, I yeah, saw this yeah. all female production of Macbeth, but it was spaced Macbeth. It was here in New York two years ago, I want to say two summers ago. It was fucking awesome. So I would love to do some sort of all female Macbeth. Or I'm a. I also I did Hamlet senior year, mm-hmm. almost a year ago, mm-hmm. and became sort of obsessed with it. Loved the Ethan Hawke movie version. I would also love to do any character in Hamlet, a gender swapped or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but honestly, I think anything that's well written, that's dynamic, that's juicy. I will say, I think this is definitely getting better, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times, even when I'm thinking about, oh, a scene I want to tape for, for my reel or something to add another character that I haven't, haven't played professionally. I do find that, you know, historically the male characters are often uh, juicier than, than female ones, (laughs) although that is changing. And I think we need more female screenwriters. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emerald Fennell is awesome. Promising Mm -hmm. young woman, but just another director (laughs) and writer. But I think, so I think, you know, dynamic, complicated, interesting Interesting, characters, um, and and some demons, some demons, mm-hmm. poltergeists, and, and ghosts and such. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Patricia Arquette. I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, True Romance. It's one of the posters on my wall. Oh, fucking thank you. Fucking thank you. Because everyone's like, no, I haven't seen that movie. Is it about love? Oh, it's about love, but it can get pretty fucking violent. I think it's the best love story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That and Thelma and Louise in my mind. Yeah, or yeah. I actually had an acting teacher who asked, <laughs> he asked us what movies, this was in school. Yeah. He asked us what movies we found romantic. And I said, Thelma and Louise, because to me, that's a love story. <laughs> yep. And true romance, yeah. which are like, <laughs> you know, yeah. rom-coms yeah. potentially. But yeah. I love that scene of her mm-hmm. when he's just essentially shot everyone. And she says, you're so cool. You're so cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but a true romance. I, I, I did the scene from, uh, I played Gary Oldman's scene. Okay, yeah. I played that. You must think, you must think it was white boy day. And this is like, the teacher was like, are you playing Gary Oldman right now? Or are you playing you? I was like, listen, girl, I'm not going to disrespect Gary Oldman. So take it how it is. And, and she was like, you must be watching a lot of, you, you, there's a lot of porn here, but you've been clocking me. And then it was just like that whole vibe. And she's like, how many times have you watched that movie? I was like, a lot, a mm-hmm. lot. And my favorite scene is when Patricia Arquette and God rest his soul, James Gandolfini are in the, in the bathroom scene and they're yeah. fighting. That, that, that's the first thing when I introduced people to that movie, I'm like, that's the scene I go to. Watch this scene right here. This is not a love, it's a love story, but it can be very, very violent. And they see the whole, like, why are you laughing? Because look at your face, look at your face. And then he looks at his face and he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it's just like, 
super, super aggravated. Yeah. But the plot, Quentin Tarantino did a very good job writing that, 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 that story. And then Tony Scott took it upon himself to like direct it. So very, very, very great movie. And each Quentin Tarantino movie, every character is related to one another. Somehow, some way, every single character is related. Mm -hmm. Like the director in the movie, True Romance, is, the, is related to some character in Pulp Fiction. Oh, interesting. Yeah, every character. Yeah, it's like it's it's a whole universe of his its own, own universe. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole universe. Like the the Inglorious Bastards, the guy with the bat. He, I think he's, uh, I think he's the director's grandpa. Mm. Yeah, so it's like, it's very, I was like, when I read that, I was like, that's fucking awesome. How he just has a whole universe of its own. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. It was very interesting. So that's, that's I, I, yeah, I appreciate you loving true romance because every time I mention them, I haven't seen it. So it's, it's it, especially for an 18 year old, like that's like mind blowing. For, to me, it's like, it's mind blowing because like no 18 year old is going to tell me I've watched true romance. <laughs> I'm sure there are some others, yeah. but I am a big, I, I just love movies. So yeah, I watch yeah. as many as possible. My, yeah, it was, it was my, it was my, um, my English teacher in high school was like, you should watch this movie because you're a Quentin Tarantino fan, right? I was like, yeah, watch True Romance and then come back and talk to me. Wow. Like, fucking hell. And I watched it and I was like, I came in and I could curse in that classroom. I was like, yeah, what the fuck was that? He was like, you liked it, didn't you? I was like, that was fucking amazing. Like, and then that's when I got into the whole Quentin Tarantino bag. Like I spent a whole year just learning Quentin Tarantino movies. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it, like, like you said, you have like, you're in your horror phase. I had my Quentin Tarantino phase for like a whole year. I think that's fabulous. I am the biggest fan of people having really deep pockets of knowledge about mm -hmm. particular Mm -hmm. filmmakers or writers or, mm -hmm. or, or niche little subjects yeah, I, I yeah. think it's amazing it's yeah because i feel like if, if you're watching something know the history of it you know it's amazing to learn the history and study it it's the same thing with music i hip-hop i study it very well mm -hmm. very very well like i completely know i know whose manager is who whose a and r is who who's who did what and all the behind the scenes people because it's not just about the artists it's always about the people that are behind the scenes as well because they, they are the shakers and movers in, in a way. You know, they make shit happen as well. So, yeah. But when it came to Quentin Tarantino, it was like a whole year. Nothing was beating Quentin. Even Four Rooms. I don't know if you've seen Four Rooms. No. It's, it's like each room is very different. Like the first room, it's about like, uh, it's a hotel, right? And then, uh, what's his name? Um, Roth? Something Roth or I forgot his name. He, he, he has him in a lot of movies. He had him in Pulp Fiction. He had him in, he has him in a lot of movies. Uh, the one, uh, the one that's in the restaurant scene in Pulp Fiction. Got his name. I don't know if you've seen Pulp Fiction as well. I have. Yeah. The, the guy in the restaurant scene, the one is, you ready, baby? I'm ready, baby. That guy, he plays a bellhop in four rooms and it's four rooms and each room is very different. Like one room is like Madonna has like these lesbian females in there. And then the next room is Antonio Banderas and his fucking violent family. I love and, Antonio Banderas. Mm -hmm. And then the third room is like, I forgot what the third room was, but it's like, like that. And then the fourth room, it's Bruce Willis. who's like a major actor in the movie. And then one of the particular scenes, if you watch that scene, a Quentin is in the back and he's like wiping, wiping his eyes out, but he accidentally poured liquor on his hand. And he was oh, like, no. yeah, and you oh, could, no. that was actually real. I was like, is that real or is that fake? And it turned out that that part was real. 
that he accidentally did it. Definitely watch it. It's a very, very quirky room. Like each room has a different emotion. Okay. Every like Antonio Banderas room is like the the kids are badasses. Like they do badass shit, but it's funny as hell. Like definitely, definitely give that a try, especially if you're into like quirky shit like this. It's one of those. It's definitely okay. One yeah. Of I definitely rooms. will. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Four rooms. Yep. Now, uh, towards the end of the podcast, I have these 10 rapid questionnaires that I got from Inside the Actor Studios. Hosted oh, amazing. Let's do it. Yep. Uh, the first question is, what is your favorite word? I have absolutely no idea, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell you the first thing that came to my head, which was <laughs> thermometer. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What is your least favorite word? I don't know that I have a least favorite word. Mm-hmm. I like all the words. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a cop out, but yeah, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. I mean, you read a lot too. So you're, you're pretty much a fan of words. Um, I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What turns you on in life? Mm-hmm. I appreciate. I'm excited by people's uh, curiosity. Mm-hmm. What turns and you on? Go ahead. Asking questions. I like to ask questions. Mm-hmm. What turns you off in life? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, oh, I really don't like when people promise things that they don't deliver. Okay, so non delivery people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hate that. That's probably pet peeve. Uh, yeah. What sound or noise do you love? I love the sound of my dog snoring at night. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? I hate uh, when people scrape their forks against their plate involuntarily. That kind of a sound, that's yeah, nails on a chalkboard to me. Yeah. It feels like, I feel like they try too hard when they're eating. It's like, dude, like relax your wrist, man. Like Maybe, that. but sometimes I feel like it's just the plate Fork combination. Sometimes it feels like they can't help it. Oh, like when you when they cut the steak or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite curse word? Oh, okay. Because of the favorite, my mom won't like this because she doesn't like this word. But I think the favorite, you saw the favorite, right? Mm-hmm. I think the favorite really brought back the word cunt. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for it. Really? Like there's, he, uh, I think... Nicholas Holt's character, another actor I love, would love mm-hmm. to work with, says about, says, I think to Joe Alwyn's character about Emma Stone's character, he says mm-hmm. something like, you're absolutely cunt struck. And I think that's <laughs> the best phrase. And I sort of want it on a ring. Mm-hmm. So my favorite curse word is cunt. You're the first person that actually, because people don't like that. Women especially do not like that word. So you're probably the first person that's. I know. That. I think we need to reclaim it. <laughs> yeah especially the way uh, the way it's said in favorite yeah it's very very cool the way it's and the fact favorite. that that's a period piece mm-hmm. i love it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what profession other than your own would you like to attempt okay this is also a cop-out because i could never uh-huh. do this but i would love to play a, a computer genius of sorts like a hacker because I so don't have that brain in real life, I'm very much an English history humanities mm-hmm. kind of girl, not to put myself in a box. 
but I am, I am not, I do not have the brain for, for math and coding and, and hacking. Mm -hmm. So I would love to have this image of myself, uh, typing away at a green screen, you know, those green screens with black letters and people are coding and, and hacking and stuff. I feel like a campy, a campy hacking movie. I would like to be a hacker, but only mm-hmm. as a part to play. So you love so, the, the the exploration of things as well, from what I'm gathering. Like you love to explore. Oh yeah, totally, totally. You're very. What what uh what profession would you not like to do? I could never be a doctor, and I think it would be terrifying to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And if someone told me you have to be a doctor, I would say, sir or madam, I simply cannot. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the last one is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I would like to say, hear God say, here is a bowl of chickpeas, because I really like chickpeas. And I think if I was in heaven, if heaven exists, I would like to eat. I imagine heaven as being like sort of warm. I would like to eat some a big bowl of cold chickpeas. That's awesome. Um, any last words you'd like to give to the people? Any shout outs? And where can they follow you on the social? Um, any last words? I don't think so. Except if you want to mail me some chickpeas. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, I do. I do love chickpeas, though. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my dreams involve chickpeas. But my my Instagram is Sasha B. Nastasi. My name is a little weird to spell. It's Mm S-A-S-C-H-A. And I don't really use other social media, although I do have Pinterest. Yeah, but that's like, that's more for like inspirations. Yeah, that's not for, oh, look at my Pinterest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like you just start like gathering little pictures here and there and just like, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It's especially for a photographer. Like that's my go. That's my cheat code. Pinterest. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's a cheat code for me in 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 a hat. I do think um, it would be funny though if you know how people sometimes talk about with casting. Oh, if you have a lot of followers, it's helpful. On Instagram, they mean. But imagine if it was Pinterest. That would be hilarious. Yeah, that would be fun. A uh, Pinterest superstar. Yeah, Pinterest yeah. superstar. Yep, yep. Exactly. That's uh, me, guys. That's me. All right, guys. This is another episode of Intuitive Minds Podcast featuring Sasha Nastasi. Peace. All right. <laughs>